Hello and welcome to Driftwood Christianity, the podcast that carves out the faith, hiding the driftwood of life and sends it on to you. I'm Andrew Smith. This podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Kondamukka and Jagera peoples. And today's driftwood is religious freedom. Now this is not a new feature of political and social life. I, I live in a liberal democracy here in Australia, so I'm going to keep most of my comments there. The liberalness of this society is a kind of live-and-let-live attitude. There's an expectation that as long as there's no harm, no one should interfere with what you're doing. So you can be in any political group you like, or a union, or a religion. It shouldn't affect who you associate with, or where you get employment. At the same time, religious organisations typically want to self-perpetuate, and typically would like to hire people with the shared ethos of that religion. That's within the religion, or it's other organisations such as schools or seminaries or training colleges. So perhaps you can feel the tension already. The individual can't be discriminated against for the religion, and the organisation wants to be able to discriminate in its selection based on religion. So let me tell you why that's today's topic, if it's been around for so long. Today in the church that I go to, there was the announcement that today, across the movement, it was going to be Religious Freedom Day. A day when the congregation would be stirred up to write to their MPs ahead of the release of a report making recommendations about changes to the law in the area of religious schools. The Australian Law Reform Commission has been working on proposals for several months, taking in community submissions on the topic. They've asked for an extension to the due date, but it seems that they're going to circulate a draft report to parliamentarians very soon. So this particular group of churches wants their people to contact MPs and express concerns about the ALRC report. Computers have been made available to people after church to email the representatives. Talking points, not an email template, but the talking points were available as a guide. The main argument was that it was about religious freedom for faith-based schools and a possible precedent for church employers to require that employees are practitioners of the faith. The supporting comment was that you would want the leader of a political party to hold to the ideology of that party, and so this principle ought to be extended to faith-based school employers. The call to action was based on the kind of legacy that we would leave for our children and grandchildren. And finally, they said that being loud doesn't make you right. Being right makes you right. Now, I've done my best to faithfully represent those comments here, and you'll see why in a few minutes. Of course, I also went to the ALRC website to find the report with its proposals and timelines and so on. I'm not a legal practitioner, so I can't provide legal commentary on it. But from a plain reading... It appears as though Australia has signed up for a whole host of international anti-discrimination treaties and we need to follow through on those commitments. The ALRC was given the task to find a way to do that. And here are just some highlights from the report. Students can't be discriminated against on the basis of sex, gender identity, pregnancy, etc. Religious ed educational institutions should still be able to train their people. Religious educational institutions should still be able to teach about sex and gender in a way that shows duty of care for students and the requirements of the curriculum. 
all of this is very similar for staff about discrimination that can't be discriminated against on the basis of sex or gender identity or sexual orientation in them or their family members. It says religious educational institutions can require the doctrines are taught accurately and must allow teachers to objectively present alternatives if they wish. Religious educational institutions can expect staff to respect the ethos of the institution and not disrupt it. On the other hand, religious educational institutions cannot force staff to hide their sexual orientation, gender identity, etc. And for staff, this key repeating phrase in the report is about whether any of this is part of the role of the staff member. You can see the distinction there between someone who works in admin, someone who is a teacher, someone who might be providing religious guidance within the school. It's a fine line that the ALRC is pushing for. I imagine it is going to continue to be hotly debated, just like the last time religious freedom legislation tried to go through Parliament. So that's a little glimpse into, the, into just two perspectives on it. So for some thoughts of mine about it. In general, I think the intent and approach of the ALRC looks good. It seems to protect the individual's freedom up to the boundary where it impinges on the institution's freedom. And the same in reverse. Institutions aren't prevented from doing their work, training their ministers, holding religious practices, observing religious uh, interests. Individuals are not forced to be someone that they aren't. If these proposals were blocked, and say statements of belief were now permissible for schools to hold staff to, I have to wonder what that looks like for a staff member whose beliefs change, even just a little bit. Think of this example, a devout Christian teacher continuing to pursue in their own life the ideas of their faith changes their beliefs or the expression of it. How would the employer respond? Are there going to be checks, periodic checks on the lives of staff members? Does the staff member have to allow the employer to scrutinize their private life as it relates to religion, sex and gender? This is all a bit hypothetical, but it's, it's just an open question. If you allow it, how do you monitor it? How do you continue that? Let's step back from the specific issue a little and think about what we expect of teachers. We want teachers to teach the subject matter accurately. Even if it's not their material, to teach it means to do that accurately. If I'd written a textbook and wasn't in the classroom to teach it, I would want the teacher to still teach it accurately. There's no point teaching an inaccurate version of something. This is an important part of teaching critical thinking. We can't critique something if we haven't accurately understood it. Histories are written by more than one author, so teaching history means that we should say what each other wrote about history, including the perspectives of those authors. Doing that requires skill and qualification by the teacher, and is part of their role. A good teacher will be able to explain a point of view that they personally don't agree with, and this sets a standard for critical thinking. I subscribe to emails from Dania Rattenberg, the rabbi, and from her I've learned that the Jewish way of learning scripture is to do so with others in debate and question. It means to question each other for the purpose of gaining a better understanding, weeding out the errors and growing in that knowledge or wisdom. 
Early Christian groups, being so deeply Jewish in their origin, did the same. This is how we learn in debate and critical thinking. Let's check the history of the church. We are famous for our sectarian arguments. In my lifetime, I've seen the violence between the Catholic and Protestant nationalists in Ireland and Northern Ireland. In European history, Christian violence has been awful. Inquisitions, wars and more. I'll even include a link to an article about an event called the Munster Rebellion from 1535. If you can stomach it, you'll be able to see what happens when one group of Christians insists on doctrinal purity in their community. In brief, whoever had the power brutally tortured and executed those who didn't hold the same beliefs. Christian history is calling to us. Forcing religious beliefs on people leads to horror. Now it could be said that students don't have to attend those schools or staff get employment there. I want to say that's such a privileged position to take. Not everyone has the luxury to choose their ideal school or ideal employer. Most people are employed so they can pay rent and bills. Less than a quarter of people in Australia who are employed get to work in a job that they really like. To say that it's always about choice is missing three quarters of the employed population. Requiring doctrinal compliance is a danger area. History shows what that turns into. But then, what doctrine counts? How do you know that you're a Christian? I mean, I've read enough church websites that say what we believe, and, and the pages of there, to see the enormous diversity that there is in the Christian churches. Some churches just have three sentences on their website. Some have dozens of pages. What is it that actually makes us a Christian? That actually unites us in the faith? I talked about this a bit in episode 14, if you can go back that far. And I used the model of a rhapsody to see how that might help us find a way forward. So lastly, if you feel uncomfortable about all this, you're probably right. And there are things you can do. You can contact your MP or Senator. Today they're being swamped with the voices of one church network, the ACC. Now it's part of a Pentecostal movement, and Pentecostals are only 1% of the Australian population, according to the most recent census. And they're a very loud 1%. You have the opportunity to send your voice. As I heard somebody say today, being loud doesn't make you right. Being right makes you right. And here's the second thing you can do. You can tell other religious people about this. It's something that affects all of us, no matter which religion. It may not be widely known that the lobbying is underway and that it is as intense as it is. There's been so much community comment that the ALRC has asked to extend the report deadline from April this year to December. In fact, I think you should probably tell everyone about it. Atheists, LGBTQI plus activists and more. And a call for grace. If you do want to get into debates with other Christians about it, do it well. Do it with love. For practical advice, I'd, I'd recommend there's a book called How Minds Change by David McCraney, and where he talks about things like street epistemology and so on. Or you could just look into that. All these methods allow us and train us to disagree well with each other and help us together to move forward in a society of peace. Now, I know this has not been my usual kind of episode, so let me bring it back into the fold of other driftwoods. Christian history has shown what we've done before around religious purity 
and doctrinal differences. We need to learn from those mistakes. We need to repent from them and turn towards love and justice. Christian learning is not afraid of difference. Instead, healthy Christian learning uses difference and debate in community to form a way forward together. Our schools and churches should reflect this in humility. And what we believe, as people of the same faith, is not as complex or as lengthy as you might think. Jesus taught illiterate peasants and farmers about the gospel, and it brought life to them. We should be able to do the same, so that the good news is accessible to everyone. Thank you for listening. I appreciate that you took the time for this. The more that this is talked about, the closer we get to a just solution. There are a few links in the show notes. You can find them in your podcast app and recommend that you do go through that. And if you'd like to support this show, there are a few practical ways you can do it. You can rate and review the show in your podcast app. That really helps. And you can tell people about it. Share the episodes. Really appreciate that. You can like and subscribe to the socials posts. You can find the show's page on Facebook or you can follow me on Twitter and Mastodon. And as always, you can comment on it. Because this episode is now Driftwood for you. What will you carve out of it?